You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 184 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we sit down with Jennifer Truitt of Savvy Feeder to talk about slow feeders for horses. Critter of the show is a chipmunk. And in Critter Nutrition, we zero in on the probiotic strain, Lactobacillus rhamnosus, for respiratory support. Join us. Tigger. Greetings. This is Coach Jen. Patty, once again, is absent upon arrival. <laughs> She's probably out doing something important, like seeing clients. She's on vacation. She's oh, taking a vacation. Uh-huh. Yeah, likely story. Likely <laughs> yeah. story. So this is a part of the show where we have a little chit-chat, and generally speaking, Patty and Tigger come sliding into third base with their butt covered <laughs> with dirt, so I get to figure out what the chat is. Uh huh. It's only fair. It's only fair. So here's here's the chit chat question: betting in horse trailers, yes or no? Yes. Okay. Um, betting in horse trailers, what kind? Shavings. Uh, do you have a particular kind? Because there's shavings and there's shavings, right? There's lots of different kinds of shavings. Do you have a particular kind that you prefer at a horse trailer? Yeah, I don't like the really fluffy stuff that I like in the stall because mm-hmm. it can fly around the trailer too much. Ah, uh, okay. Now, are you, do you uh, adjust the quantity of bedding in the trailer according to the horse's needs or the length of trip, or are you pretty much standard? It goes this much. I'm pretty standard. Yeah. Uh, now, how much is your favorite quantity? Oh my God! I have never measured it. <laughs> well, like, do you do you like to cover the whole floor? Do you like to yes. just have the poop section? Yes. No, okay. I cover the whole, whole floor. floor. You're the whole floor gal. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Now, I know some people put a bunch of bedding in the trailer, and then they get yet done using the trailer for the day or the week or whatever. They clean it out and leave whatever clean bedding is left in the trailer for the next time they use it, and do it that way. Some people, whatever's in the trailer, gets thrown away, and some people clean out the dirty stuff and take the clean bedding and put it in a stall somewhere. Where do you fall on that, that scale? I t- take out the dirty bedding. So it all comes out. No, if it's clean, if the towards the front of the trailer where the horse's head is, if that's, you know, doesn't have a lot of hay and crap in it. I'll just leave it. That leave that for the next trip. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Now, and you now know, what, what do you do? What do I do? I have oh I have always been a put the bedding where the horse makes a mess. Okay. And I have a tendency to be throw it all away because I tend to only put it where the horse makes a mess. Okay. I used to put pretty much the whole floor in, but I got out of that habit when we had our horse trailer that the horse walked in the back and out the front. Mm-hmm. The front had a, a big ramp there. So that front door was five feet wide, I guess. 
and the top half of it was open and Nigel would stick his head out the door like a dog. Well, at least as far as he could, there was a, a screen there. So only the muzzle stuck out, but he thought he was a dog. And I noticed that that really caused the bedding to fly around like yeah. crazy in there. So I started only using bedding in the back, probably third or so of the trailer. But what I had to do was make it really, really thick because on the way home, the first thing Nigel does when he gets into the horse trailer is he has to pee because heaven forbid, oh he couldn't pee in the grass. No, no. no. So I had to have enough in there so that on the on the trip home, I could scooch it towards the middle. <laughs> and I like, I like, I actually like pelleted bedding for the horse trailer because it it's super absorbent and that would keep yeah. the, the floor drier in the trailer. Because if the if the urine gets in that little seam that's between the wall edge and the floor mats, then it gets down in there onto the floor of your trailer, which just discourages or encourages your horse trailer floor to wear out faster than you want it to. So I started using that and I found that if I put the pellets on the floor and then I just put the, the fine shavings on top of it. And like you, I don't like the big, the big, pretty fluffy ones because they do fly around so much. I put the the regular shavings on top and I, for my two stall horse trailer, it was a straight load. And again, only the back half to third or so was bedded. I would use a whole bale for that um, by the time I got it done. And then invariably there were about two, about two shovelfuls left by the time I got home (laughs) between the Uh diarrhea and the peeing, there wasn't much left. No, no, not a lot. And there you go. Now back, it doesn't seem to be popular anymore. You hang out at the showgrounds a lot. Do people still wrap horses tails when they travel? No. That's kind of that's kind of faded out. That was yep. a thing back in the day. That was a thing. Everybody's horse's tail was wrapped. Yep. And, there were and all it these was very exciting ways. when they came out the Velcro ones. Yes. <laughs> you didn't have to put a safety pin in your horse's tail nope. anymore. <laughs> there we go. Well, if you've got a special bedding system that you are fond of for your horse trailer, head on over to Facebook. And type in their Healthy Critters Radio, hit the like button, and tell us what it is. We'd like to know. Yeah, we would. I'm very pleased today to have Jen Truitt from Savvy Feeders here. And she's doing us a great favor because she's actually packing for a horse show that she's leaving tomorrow. So the fact that she made time for Healthy Critters, it it really means a lot to me. So welcome, Jen. And for our, our listeners, so Jen is quite an accomplished horsewoman. She's a USDF FEI B certified instructor. She has earned all six USDF medals, gold, silver, and bronze, plus the gold, silver, and bronze freestyle bars. In 2023, she earned the even more prestigious designation of with distinction for all three of her medals. And these were horses that she trained. And she also won in 2022. She and her horse, Absolute Dream, won the Intermediate One Championship at the USDF Dressage Finals with a whopping 72.8. So I'm thrilled to have an accomplished dressage rider on the show. And I'm very curious how you got into savvy feeders 
Well, we can thank my amazing absolute dream, who I call Dreamy, Dreamy Licious, Mick Dreamy, Dreamy Muffin, Muffball. Anybody who knows me knows he has at least 25 names and is actually pretty well known on the, across the internet and social media by all of his names. So it was him because he is um, a crazy athlete, um, has always been highly intelligent, very curious and a wonderful hoover of a horse. And so he would just eat all of his hay immediately. And he also likes to make hay tea in his water bucket, which, of course, I'm oh, very yeah, happy to favorite. have him dunking his hay right in his water. But then it would be like a flake that we would take out of his water bucket. So it's a little excessive. So um, I actually started looking into slow feed hay nets and hay bags and did that for him for probably two or three years while just trying to slow him down to ensure that he had hay through the night. Um, because of course, as a, a performance horse um, and we have a, a performance horse farm, we don't do like all night turnout or, you know, horses living out 24 seven. So they have to stand in stalls and I don't like them in stalls without hay in front of them. So we use the hay nuts and hay bags and he wound up actually hurting his neck because he was very aggressive with them and you flip them around and get mad at them. And he wound up um, at the same time that he hurt his neck, he kind of got cast under a fence in, at a, a different farm that we were at in Florida. And so it all kind of came together and I was like, I can't have him eating out of these hay nuts anymore because I had to have, of course, therapy done on his neck and and I knew it wasn't the best thing for him, the way that he twisted his head around and he flung these nets. So I started a several months research into what are the options. And I found there were a few options out there, maybe like two, that are actually made like cylinders yeah. um, that are hay feeders. And then there's a big like rectangular one. But the cylinders are really tall and you either have to fix them to the wall or they stand free. Um, they take up a lot of space. They don't allow the horse to eat low down. They're quite tall. Uh, I wanted my horse to eat like he was foraging for grass. And they just seemed like, the, so I also have an issue with horses. I don't think it's good for horses to eat out of like a container where all the dust in the chaff stays. Because then you have buildup over time and allergens over time. They're breathing it in. So, like, I know people have corner feeders that are just sort of troughs that they put uh -huh. hay in. And I don't, I don't like that either. I think that's not healthy. And, of course, my horse is hopefully an international horse. And it's just not something I wanted to do. So I wanted something that was freestanding because I knew he was going to stand on it. I knew he was going to push it around. I wanted something <laughs> that was going to right itself that um basically he would be safe he wouldn't get hung up on it and something that was portable that i could take with us to shows and put in his paddock put in his stall and he could move it around and you know not have it in his way and so the savvy feeder was the only option out there literally that met all those requirements and so we i got to be friends with the owner um, of the company the inventor julie johnson and she was wonderful. The company had been in business for about 15 years already. She had patents on the, or a patent on the product itself, had gone through so much testing of different types of plastic materials and ways to make the feeder really stable, but not so stable that the horses couldn't move it around and make it gravity fed. 
so that, you know, the horses can get every last little scrap of hay. And so I got one from, actually, I first tested one out. One of my clients had one and she let me borrow it. And that's when I was like, oh my God, this is, this is it. This is the ticket. And that's when I contacted you. So I need to make sure I give credit to Jen Slabog, who is, the, is my client who actually introduced me to it in the midst of all of my research. And so we eventually wound up with about nine or 10 on the farm. I have them in multiple horses stalls and then out in my dry lots. So when horses go out in their dry lots, if they can't, if we can't use the pastures or something, um, bad weather, whatever, medicine lots for horses that are um, injured or recovering from something, they always have hay in front of them. And the Savvy Feeder is really cool because you can turn it over, make it upside down in a dry lot that you're not using. And if it rains a little bit and there's still a little hay in there, it's fine because it gets airflow. So it's not going to mold. Wow. Um, it's, the rain is not going to soak the hay. It has a hole in the bottom floor that when you pull it out, it's like a for your finger to pull the floor out. You can put soaked hay in there and it drains out the bottom so it doesn't mold. I mean, there it has so many uses. It has three different grate sizes for different types of hay. And we have, there's people who use it for their goats and their sheep and their cows, ponies, everything. So, you know, we were really blown away with this product. And like I said, wound up with a ton of them on the farm. And then Julie reached out to us maybe a year, year and a half later and said, hey, I'm really thinking about retiring and I'd, I'd be so, and I would be so happy if you guys would take over the company because you have so much more reach into the equine population. Because um, she does mostly kind of trail ridings, and she had done a ton of, of marketing into the dressage world, but I hadn't heard about her yet or the product yet. So we spent quite a bit of time, like six months, working on how would this look? What would we do? Do we really want? I mean, I'm a horse trainer. <laughs> Do I really want to take on a manufacturing product? And my husband has a full-time job. I work more than full-time. I mean, I've, I start at 7.30, 7.15 in the morning, and I'm finished usually around 5, 5.30. And then I still have virtual lessons to teach in the evening. So we, we talked, and we were so in love with the product and really thought that it is a product that everyone needs to have who has a horse. Even horses that are out on pasture, it's just so nice to be able to go, you know what, I want to I add a little Timothy or a little alfalfa to what I know you're already getting in the field. So we took it over and my husband spent this past winter while I was in Wellington teaching and training and set up a space in one of our existing buildings. We now have an assembly line here oh at the farm. Oh my gosh! It's amazing. It's amazing. And in fact... He has automated a lot of the processes. We now have a CNC router that actually does all the routering automatically. It's incredible. So like there, there used to be quite a good supply of factory seconds where somebody would make a boo-boo in cutting something or drilling something or burning something, whatever. It, it's just not happening anymore because we have the CNC machine now and we've automated and or mechanized really is a better way to put it, like cutting the fabric and doing all these other things. And it's amazing. We've actually hired our first two employees who work exclusively for Savvy Feeder instead of just using our farm labor. So it's been since March 1st. And wow. we've, yeah. And just with us taking it over, 
the the business has exploded and you know people i know who know me are like hey i'm really interested in this let me take a look and you know they try one and we give a 30 day no questions asked money back guarantee so there's just no risk you know there are a few horses out there who uh, who just if they have no front teeth it's hard for them to pull hay out yeah. Um, there's been, we've gotten a couple of feeders back from horses that are just violent and they, <laughs> they just chew the crap out of it. So there's really like, we, we really don't have issues. There's no issues with safety for sure. I mean, my highly valuable horse puts his feet all over and of course he wears shoes and, you know, he just, he puts it everywhere. They get really smart about figuring out how to roll it to move the hay underneath the grate and tip it on end. He loves it. He puts it up against the wall at a 45 degree angle so he can kind of move the grate around on the hay. And then we'll, we'll start him with, with it full in the morning. And by lunchtime, he's rolled it out of his stall at the front of his stall at his, what we actually have given him a specific making hay tea water bucket. And he has two other buckets that are clean uh, further away. He will roll that feeder out to the back of his paddock by lunchtime. And then we bring it back in and we refill it. And then he rolls it back out. He loves it. And my mare, she's much more, of course, demure. And it has its precise location. She moves it a little bit, but not enough that it would get in her way in her stall. So, you know, every, every horse is different. It's so interesting to see how they you know, they manage it. It's such an interesting boredom breaker for them. We have had, this is so fascinating to me. So we've had a few people that are horse owners buy the feeder for their horse and they take it to their boarding barn and the management of the boarding barn hates it because the horses make so much noise with it. Because if it's empty, they learn, they roll it around to get the last of the chaff out of it. And then it makes noise. So they'll, it might clank against the wall or something. And we've had managers who think it's more important that they don't make noise with it than that they have hay all the time. Those are kind of the returns that we wind up getting. And it's, we just kind of laugh. We're like, wow, <laughs> okay. We think it's better that the horses are entertained and eating hay all the time. But we don't question, you know, if, if for some reason, management or the horse or the owner or whatever after 30 days you know they have that amount of time to decide if they like it or not and we're happy to say we have multiple farms that have 10 15 even more on their farm they have it in every dry lot in every stall i actually just showed up at a farm i've never been to here in the area with my my young mare to just take her for a little field trip last week and i was so excited when i jumped out of the tr the truck I am standing next to a dry lot that has a savvy feeder in it. And I had no wow. idea that they had savvy feeders there. I was just like, wow, that's so cool. And they had them in every stall. So, yeah, it's it's really neat. It's a great product. There's tons of research behind it. It's um, It's been in use for so long. I don't even know actually how many feeders are out there. We've actually just sent the first feeder over to the U.K., and um, the the person who has it loves it, and she wants to talk to me about becoming the distributor over there. So it's it's really it's very exciting for us and for horses around the country and maybe around the world. We've got people who 
do um, endurance riding, trail riding, overnight riding, and they'll have their horse tied on the picket line and they have their savvy feeder standing there. I've seen people send us pictures of their horses standing tied at a horse show at the stall or at the trailer and they've got the savvy feeders standing there. People take it everywhere. Uh, I even know horses that are impatient when they arrive at the showgrounds and until they get their savvy feeder in their stall and then they act like they do at home and these this particular horse was a horse that was really difficult to manage at shows so it's like a pacifier so for that horse so there's just a lot of value a lot of benefits to it in in addition to of course having hay in front of the horse all the time yeah saving money by not wasting hay right so now the horses aren't spewing the hay all over their stall, pooping and peeing in it and wasting it. It's not blowing away out of your dry lots. It's faster to clean the stalls when they're not full of soaked, bedded, you know, hay. So there are tons of money saving benefits as well, uh, management benefits. But to me, the most important part is these horses are designed to eat 24-7. So this is a great way to make that happen. And it's totally safe and you can take it everywhere. I love how you've done the grace. I think that is a bit of genius that explaining you've got a small, medium, and a large, and what kind of forage they're for. I, I, that is, in my opinion, that's brilliant. I think it's, you know, and that's not us. That was Julie. And, and that's from her many, many years of experience with, you know, people buying them in California and they have. They have Timothy and alfalfa, and so they have that's going to be its own type of grate versus people down in Florida who maybe only have access to coastal. Um, not, of course, the high end show horses in Florida who buy the hay that's shipped in, but maybe the right. horses that are living out in paddocks, right? Yeah. So, and then you've got your Midwestern horses, like we're in Ohio, um, you're in Virginia. So, you know, our horses have they have access to lots of different types of hay. Yes. So, yeah, it's really, I think it's brilliant. I mean, the neat thing is with the CNC router that we have now, we are talking about customizing grates because we have a couple of clients who have oh, wow. voracious eating horses who have had savvy feeders now for quite a while. And they're like, hey, could we potentially get an even smaller grate so that they can even slow the horse down even more? So maybe we do like a checkerboard type of grate, something like that. Huh. So then at that point, it's not even, you know, based on the hay because they already know because they already have an, an existing feeder that the horse is eating really well out of, but maybe eating too fast. So, um, yeah, so that's a possibility we're looking at. Maybe we could start playing with that yet this year. And it's also interesting, too, because we have clients who will layer the types of hay in the feeder. So they may put like a, an orchard grass or something and then a, a, a flake of, of alfalfa or an alfalfa timothy mix, and then orchard grass on the top, you know? And, and so it's, it's really cool if you think about like how the horse eats because they eat the hay down from the top yeah. and you stack the flakes in flat. So you can actually do a cool variation on what they're eating in there. And we also have people who use them in their um, their paddock, like they have a dry lot in the front of a pasture and they may have a group of horses out there and they'll have multiple feeders 
And we always recommend one more feeder than horses, kind of like cat litter boxes, the number of cats you have. You should have one more than the number of cats. So you always want to have a spare. So you might have like a feeder with Timothy and a feeder with alfalfa and a feeder with orchard and that kind of thing. So then the horses kind of, you know, they go from one place to another eating the various types of hay. So there's a lot of really interesting things that people do with them. So, yeah, I think they're just a really great way of managing horses in a healthy way that the way that they were designed because they're, they're basically foraging. It's so interesting to see how they pull the hay out like they pull grass mm-hmm. and they break grass, you know. So when you give them just a flake of hay loose on the ground and they just take a huge mouthful, that's not how they're designed to eat. So, you know, and that's what we were noticing with my horse, Dreamy, that he would just, he grabs these massive hunks of hay when fed on the ground and and puts an entire mass of hay in the water bucket. And so then it's wasted because then apparently it gets too wet. There's an appropriate amount of moisture for Dreamy for his hay. So, <laughs> Of course you know, there is. You, you kind of have to figure out what are the things that make your horse you know, that your horse is making decisions about when they're eating. And that's one of the things for us with him was he didn't, I don't think, intend to grab a massive amount because he's perfectly happy to pull strands of hay out of the savvy feeder and dunk them, but he's not wasting as much because it doesn't get too wet. So So for the metabolic horses where you you do have to soak their hay for some of them, do you you pre-soak and then put it in the feeder? You know, the easiest thing I have found is, um, yeah, if you put the, if you have like a trough, you can actually put the feeder down in the trough with the, the hay in it. If you have a trough that's big enough, uh-huh. that then you don't have to mess with the hay twice. Then you just pick the, the hay, the savvy feeder up out of it. I've also had for horses that just needed the dust cut down, you can just soak the hay while it's in the feeder just with a hose, but that's not going to get the sugars out. Like No, you, you need a 30-minute soak. And with an, e- the an easy, uh, if I can jump in here, an easy way to do that is you have the ready, you, you have the trough, you get yourself one of those big water troughs, 100 gallon or so size, that the savvy feeder yep. fits inside of. So you stuff the hay in your savvy feeder, you yep. put the savvy feeder inside the giant water tub, and you put an appropriate yep. amount of water into that water trough to completely cover it and let it soak for the amount of time. Yeah. And then just take the plug out of the bottom of the trough and the water will run out all by itself. And you don't have to pick up yep. the savvy feeder with its wet hay inside. Wow. That's a oh, great wow. idea. That's yeah. smart. Yeah. Cause I was thinking you'd still have to pick it up. That's a great yeah, idea. And, and that way you just let it there. Right. And yeah. And if when you leave it one, there. One, once they consume it, it doesn't weigh very much anymore. You can move it around the paddock if you want to give them different places to eat and stuff. But that way you don't have right. to, I, I figured that out because I can't pick up ba- large quantities of wet hay anymore. No. Okay. How can we yeah. do this without having to pick it up? That's how you do it. <laughs> That's smart. Yep. Well, thanks yeah, a lot for, for stopping really by. This, is, this has been a fascinating this discussion. This has been great. And, yeah. and may I mention that if you're interested in Savvy Theater, the, uh, website is savvy s a v v y feeder dot com, or if you want to talk to Jen about training and dressage, their farm is Dancing Horse Farm in Lebanon, Ohio. So that's two great. ways to get and I have a, I have a website also jennifertruitt.com. 
T-R-U-E-T-T. So you can go there as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy that you guys invited me to blah, blah, blah about our savvy theaters. <laughs> We're really proud of it. Well, it's time for the world's only podcasting Pomeranian. Welcome to the show, Hedwig. Hedy. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. If you had the opportunity, Hedwig, would you be a Broadway star? I am already. <laughs> oh, well, well, you are a star. I will tell you, I will agree with you there. You are a star. But you're a podcast star. You're not a Broadway star. You Just don't say. know. <laughs> <laughs> Among the many things that you just don't know. <laughs> you're, you're, I can always count on you to, to point out my weaknesses. I'm here to help. <laughs> Thank you, Hedwig. Can you belt out a Broadway song? Yes, I can. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. Please wait for just one second while I get myself into this mood. Okay. I'm channeling. Yes. Yes. Okay, then. Maybe this time I'll be lucky. Maybe this time you'll stay. Maybe this time, for the first time, my new home won't hurry away. You'll hold me fast, I'll be home at last, not a poor loser anymore, like the last time. And the time before. Oh, and what's that from, Hetty? Cabaret. Yes, it is. I I was sort of imagining you would do I Dreamed a Dream, but, you know. Everybody loves a winner, Tigger. <laughs> Everybody loves a winner. So you can you can really belt out a Broadway tune. Yes. Uh, what What other genres of music do you partake in, Hedwig? Well, as you know, I'm a fan of the, you know, classic rock, early music. Okay. During my depressive phases, I do a very strong line of Joni Mitchell. Ooh. Sad. Yeah. And I need to find sadness in company. Okay. I enjoy opera, but I don't get to go as much as I would like because the emotional support human is inconvenient to accompany me. Ah, proper outfits. I see. Have you ever been to a live concert, Hedwig? Well, of course. And, and I, tell I mean, us about that experience. Well, I mean, first of all, I went to Pink Floyd, which was different than I expected it would be because I misunderstood and they had these blow up pigs. I thought that that was more central to their ideology than it turned out to be. But I enjoyed it, you know. I went to the Bruce, and that was amazing. And he's very, very special, Bruce. You feel like he's singing just to you, even though there are 2.5 thousand other people there. And um, let's see. 
Oh, I I've went I went to the Melissa Etheridge several times. <laughs> of course, of that course, yes. I said now she's an excellent person for an outdoor concert. Now, are there any concerts you've been to that you would have to say you couldn't recommend to other, perhaps podcasting type Pomeranians? Well, I mean, there are concerts I wish I had been to. I don't think I've really been to any bad ones per se. Have Just, you been to have you been to any that your that you liked that your human did not or vice versa? Well, I often go without her because she's so boring. Oh, I see. <laughs> Just striking out on your own. Yes. Mm-hmm. I see. I see. Yeah. So if there is one concert, one live concert that you really, really want to go to that you haven't yet. Which one is it? I would really like to go to a pink concert, but I never get to go. I see. I think you should. Yeah, I think I should too, because she sings my favorite nitty gritty, dirty little freak song. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's that suits you just fine. That should be your theme song. (laughs) That is my anthem. Mm -hmm. Yes, Yes, yes. I've sung it here before. Mm -hmm. There we go. Well, thank (laughs) you very much. (laughs) Thank you, Edwig. (laughs) <laughs> we'll we'll see you next time enjoy Thanks, your music Kate. bye bye and now it's time for the breed of the show and it's breed of the show time dun, da, da, da. Dun, da, da, da. all i can think of is alvin. you know the chipmunks alvin <laughs> That was a joke. Wow, that fell flat. Maybe it's not close enough to the holidays. Nobody's thinking about. <laughs> I can't remember the other chipmunks' names. All I can remember is that one. Theodore. Theodore. And chipmunk. Simon. Yes, Simon, Theodore, and Alvin. There we go. So why are we talking about Simon, Theodore, and Alvin today? Well. There's a funny family story about chipmunks. Of course there is. (laughs) So my brother, one of my brothers, married a woman from New Zealand. And for a time, they lived in the U.S. And they had two sons. And they were born in the U.S. And then they decided to move back to New Zealand. And their third son was born in New Zealand. Now, in New Zealand, there are no chipmunks. Okay? Got it. So my brother and sister-in-law and their three boys come to visit my my parents in Montana. And they're in Yellowstone. They're having a picnic at one of my mother's favorite meadows in Yellowstone. And there are some elk. And, you know, they're, I mean, you can see them, but, you know, they're not ultra close. But the adults are keeping their eyes on the herd, right? And the youngest boy, who was maybe five or six at the time, he had never seen a chipmunk. So while the parents are keeping their eyes on uh, elk, the kids start playing. And so the parents get distracted, right? Because there's a dream there and da-da-da-da-da. And the little five-year-old suddenly says, it's coming. And everybody breaks into 
pack. I mean, they think it's an elk, right? It was a chipmunk. It was the chipmunk. Oh my gosh. Everybody, all the elk's coming. No, it's a chipmunk. <laughs> it's oh, that's coming. funny. It's coming. Oh, it's so funny. Oh my gosh. That's adorable. Anyway, that's what made me think of chipmunks. So chipmunks are very interesting. There are 25 species of them. Really? Only one lives outside of North America, and it lives in Siberia. Hmm. Um, It's called the Siberian chipmunk. It lives in Siberian Asia. It is expanding into parts of Europe. In North America, chipmunks can basically be found anywhere there are trees. They make homes for themselves by creating burrows. And their tunnel systems can be 10 to 30 feet long. They're not social animals, evidently. They like to keep to themselves and only interact during mating season. They're most active at dusk and dawn. They spend most of their days foraging. A single, get this, a single chipmunk can gather up to 165 acorns a day. A day? A I don't day. think I can pick up that many. No, I know I can't. Wow. Uh, um, they hibernate, but they don't store fat. So they have to, in the winter, get up and go shopping. <laughs> they, they don't hibernate like a bear does for months and months and months. Hmm. Um, so, they, so they just take the winter off and sleep a lot. Well, they, but then they still have to get up and eat and huh. hunt. Isn't that interesting? Food. Yeah. And during the, <laughs> the warm months, they will stuff extra food into their cheeks. Mm-hmm. And National Geographic describes it as these cheeks are massive grocery bags. <laughs> <laughs> grocery they bags. can stretch to be three times larger than the chipmunk's head. Wow. Yeah. Three times. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, they're, they're omnivores. They eat mushrooms, berries, nuts, seeds, grains. They'll also eat other creatures. This surprised me. Insects, baby birds, frogs, Mm. and bird eggs. Ew. They have live birds. Obviously, they're not laying eggs. And their gestation is about 30 days. They Female chipmunks give birth to two to eight pups at a time and give birth one to two times a year, once in the late spring and again in the fall. The pups are hairless and blind. They're the size of a jelly bean. That's little. Um, Yes. The puppies, puppies, the pups only stay with their parents for around two months. Then they build their own home and start gathering food to last them through the winter, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. They make various sounds to communicate. There are three recognized chipmunk calls. The three calls are called the chip, the deeper chuck, and the startle call. You can go to uh, the BBC, which has a recording of chipmunk sounds. You know, of just as <laughs> yes. And the name chipmunk comes from the chip chip sound that the animal makes. Finally, a critter with a name that makes sense. Exactly. I actually thought it was an Indian name. <laughs> well, you know, that would make sense because that was very common. But now we know because yes. it makes the little chip, chip, chip sound. Now, for the chipmunks to hibernate, even though they have sort of a short hibernation, 
they require colder temperatures. So scientists are now, you know, wondering as the temperatures warm, they may no longer hibernate. Oh, they might adapt to uh, being being up and around, up and around all yeah. the time. Now, another little known fact is that there's actually a chipmunk whisperer who has written a book. Oh my gosh. They're going to be on the show next month. Oh, that, wouldn't that be cool? I think that'd be fun. It's the chipmunk whisperer by Victor Tyler, T Y L E R. And it's about training chipmunks in the wild. Huh. I'm, I'm not sure why you would want to train a chipmunk in the wild, but maybe next month we'll find out. And now we're at Critter Nutrition, and the topic today is an important probiotic strain for respiratory, which is called Lactobacillus rhamnosus. Lactobacillus is a lactic acid bacteria that is a common component of equine and canine probiotic formulas. The genus belongs to the Firmicutes, a phylum that can constitutes a significant portion of the microbiota in the GI tract. One lactobacillus strain that is less well-known in equine and canine supplementation is lactobacillus rhamnosus. This strain has demonstrated ability to modulate the respiratory immune response. L. rhamnosus was discovered in 1983 in the intestines of a healthy human. It was considered remarkable for its ability to survive and thrive in highly acid environments. The respiratory tract, including the mouth, harbors diverse colonies of interacting microbiota. Studies have shown that certain probiotic lactic acid bacteria strains can exert their beneficial effect on the host through their immunomodulation activity. These strains have been termed immuno biotics. Research has shown that L-rhamnosus is able to improve specific cytokines in blood, which can induce a mobilization of white blood cells known as T-helper cells or T-lymphocytes. One particular study showed that L-rhamnosus is a potent inducer of antiviral cytokines and may be useful as a therapeutic agent to control respiratory virus infections. Like yeast probiotics, L-rhamnosus is not able to colonize the GI tract of adult equines. This means these organisms must be supplemented daily. Interestingly enough, L-rhamnosus is capable of colonizing the GI tract of foals. When to use L-rhamnosus? If your horse suffers from chronic respiratory disease such as asthma or COPD, Adding rhamnosus as well as omega-3 supplementation can be beneficial. For horses dealing with upper respiratory infections caused by bacteria or viruses, supplementing with rhamnosus, particularly in the onset of the infection, can help support the immune response. If your horse is in a barn or herd that has been exposed to an upper respiratory virus, start supplementing with rhamnosus immediately as studies have shown that it can work prophylactically. Likewise, if your horse is shipping a long distance 
it is advisable to give probiotics, including L-rhamnosus, for maintaining a healthy gut, immune system, and respiratory support. If your horse has been diagnosed with Lyme's disease, support for the immune system is important, and active probiotic strains, including rhamnosus, are recommended. When you are feeding a probiotic that contains more than one strain of active bacteria, it's important that it is a multi-strain formula, not just one species. The microbiome itself is diverse, and a probiotic should reflect the diversity of the microbiome by containing different strains of active microorganisms. If a label states dried yeast fermentation product, then it is not live and it is not considered an active microbial. Check the colony forming units known as CFUs on the label. The higher the CFUs, the better. Research from the University of Toronto at Gulf suggests 100 billion CFUs as a minimum for colonization, and horses with immune or GI tract issues may need as much as 400 billion CFUs per day. Microencapsulation is an important feature in a probiotic formula because it protects the strains from deterioration in the stomach. The pH of the stomach lessens the survival rate of many microorganism strains. Microencapsulation does not mean the product is in a capsule. It means that the product mass has been coated with either an alginate, cellulose, chitosan, or pectin. Some companies use xanthan gum, starch, carrageenine, and gelatin. Check with the manufacturer to find out specifically what kind of microencapsulation is used. Biostar is one of the few equine supplement companies to use L-Remnosis. We use it in our formula, Bioflora EQ. We are also one of the first equine supplement companies to use microencapsulation for our probiotic formulas using alginate, and we ensure a minimum of 100 billion CFUs per teaspoon. Elrenosis is not a panacea, but it is an important therapeutic microorganism for the immune and respiratory systems. Well, you answered my question. I was wondering what lactobacillus meant because there's so many different lactobacillus followed by another word. But you answered that at the beginning. So there we go. Yes. There we go. There are strains of lactobacillus we haven't even discovered yet. Yeah, it's, it seems to but be. But the important yeah. thing is the phylum, Formicutes, because that's the biggest phylum in the horse. Ah. Of which lactobacillus is a member. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended.
Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to healthycrittersradio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 